Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, as we begin today, I want us to read from 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read quite a chunk of scripture. And before we do, I want to give you some context. David, who was the greatest king in Israel's history, was anointed to be king at a young age, but he had to wait more than 10 years to become king. And during that time of waiting, which is kind of what we're in right now, a time of waiting, he faced some difficult circumstance. He was rejected and pursued by the king at that time, King Saul, who was jealous of David. He, he hated David and he actually forced David into exile. Now, I think that many of us can identify with that in the season because before the pandemic, many of us had hopes and dreams and plans and we were standing on the promises of God. It was a new year and a new decade only to see those plans put on hold, to have those dreams stolen from us. And in, in many ways, we've been forced into exile. In fact, over the past few days here on the North Coast and across large parts of KZN, we've been in a kind of enforced hard lockdown because of all the violence and the protesting that has swept our province. So we're in a, a very crazy season and David was in a, a crazy season. He was in a, a very bad space. Saul is trying to kill him. In 1 Samuel 27, David speaks to his own soul and he says, one of these days I will surely be destroyed by the hand of Saul. He flees to the land of the Philistines, hoping that Saul will, will forget about him, lose interest and, and give up the chase. But what's interesting is that during this time, no Psalms are written, no victories were recorded, and David seems to rely on his own strength to get through the season in his life. David is in a place called Ziklag. It's controlled by the Philistines, an enemy of God's people. But the Philistine king has taken a liking to David and given him a place to stay. And while they're off in battle, the king sends David and his men back to Ziklag. He says, you know what? We can't trust you. You might turn on us. You might ambush us. Go back to Ziklag. And when David and his men get back to Ziklag, they discover that the Amalekites, another enemy of God's people, have come along and they've attacked their homes and robbed them of their livelihood. And that's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 1. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and all the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Maybe that's been you during this lockdown season or, or over the past week. You, you've cried until you've had no more tears. I know I've cried all the lockdown tears. I've cried until I've had no more tears to cry. I've gone through all the stages of grief, grieving for what we once had, grieving for how life used to be, grieving for how church used to be. But I want to let you know that that's normal. It's okay to grieve. I think sometimes when we face situations like these, as Christians, we can think that we're not allowed to express our sadness or we're not allowed to show our frustration because someone might say, hey, where's your faith? 
Aren't you trusting God? But what's interesting is that David and his men took time to cry and, and express how they felt about what had been stolen from them. The key here is that they didn't camp there. Verse 5 says, And David's two wives had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. It was a garment worn by the priest. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Now, it says brook. Other translations say ravine. It was kind of like a ravine or a river. And this happened in the wintertime when this river was considerably more difficult to cross. So you needed a lot of strength and determination to keep going. Verse 11 says, Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. Now, we all know that raisins are of the devil, but it's very clear from this passage that they can be used by God. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. So he'd, he'd been abandoned and discarded. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Carathites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the southern area of Caleb, and we burnt Ziklag with fire. David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great sons or daughters spoil or anything which had been taken from them and then it says this again David recovered all today I want to speak to you about the road to recovery the road to recovery you know even though the season might have stolen things from us spiritually relationally, emotionally, physically, financially, even some of our momentum as a church, we need to know that like David, we can recover all. If you believe it today, put an amen in the comments. You know, I was reading about a young lady called Rachel Dabblestein, just 22 years of age. Police arrested her for stealing after a picture of her went viral on social media. She was found in possession of multiple stolen items, including an antique milk jug, 
which belonged to Vincent Harvey and his wife. It had been in their family for more than a hundred years, and it's quite an odd-looking thing. It's, a, it's an odd thing to have, but to Vincent Harvey and his family, it's priceless. They kept it out on their porch, and one day when Vincent went out to get the mail, he noticed on his way back in that it was gone. And so he went to go and check the security footage. They have one of those doorbell cameras, and what he found was Rachel Dabblestein stealing the milk jug in the early hours of the morning. Well, he shared the, the screenshots of the video on Facebook and it went viral, having been shared 23,000 times. Here's my point. The word says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I want to encourage you, God is not unaware. You might have been robbed of your confidence in the season or, or perhaps your financial security or even your ability to do your job effectively. Maybe your self-esteem has taken a knock over the last while. Or maybe you've been robbed of something that to other people seems odd, but to you it's valuable and priceless like that milk jug. I want to let you know that like that camera, God sees it. And with Him, you can recover what's been stolen from your life. Now, in the face of devastation, David did several things. He took several steps that led to his recovery and I want us to look at them today because I think we can learn from them and be encouraged. Are you ready? Number one, the first step on the road to recovery is this. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Verse six says, now David was greatly distressed. Maybe that's how you feel at the moment. For the people spoke of stoning him, his own men Maybe that's how you feel in your own family. There's strife and there's, and, and there's turmoil because of what has been stolen from you in the season. And then it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Even though things and people were against David, he didn't wait for somebody else to come along and strengthen him. He didn't say, well, Lord, if you want to strengthen me, here I am. I'm waiting for you. No, he strengthened himself in the Lord. The King James Version says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. You see, sometimes, church, we have to encourage ourselves. Often we're waiting for somebody else. Oh, no one's been encouraging me lately. Now, we should encourage one another. We should. But, but when it comes to tough seasons, we need to know how to encourage ourselves. Amen? Because there's always a season of waiting between loss and recovery. And it's in that season of waiting that you and I need to encourage ourselves and strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Otherwise, we'll stay stuck in a place of mourning and weeping. That's exactly where David and his men were. The voices around David were discouraged. They were depressed. They were anxious. They were despondent. They were fearful. They were angry. They were bitter. But David stepped away and he spoke to himself. He encouraged himself. How do we encourage ourselves or strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Well, firstly, you've got to shift the focus. David doesn't fly off the handle here. He doesn't make any rash decisions or do anything stupid. He simply shifts the focus. He doesn't focus on the circumstance. He had to go from telling himself in 1 Samuel 27 that surely Saul will catch up with me and destroy me to encouraging himself, not in himself, but in God. You see, David had gotten off track 
prior to this. He, he had forgotten how to worship and, and hadn't factored God in for a while. For David, it was like a prodigal son moment. He was sitting with the pigs, but then all of a sudden he realizes, hang on a sec, God hasn't abandoned me. God is still here and he's still available to me. If only I will strengthen myself in him. David Guzik is a pastor and author. He wrote the Enduring Word Bible Commentary. And this is what he says. He says, this wasn't some kind of rah-rah cheerleader kind of positive thinking mumbo jumbo. This was the strength of the living God making itself real in the life and heart of a hurting man. This was strength for recognition, strength for brokenness, strength for repentance, strength for determination to win back what the enemy has stolen. This is the same strength that would raise Jesus from the dead. You see, when you and I start to remember who God is, what He can do, and what He's done in the past, we begin to find strength. Listen, you can get up in the morning and tell yourself, hey, I'm awesome, I'm the best, no one can touch me, I'm a winner. Listen, you can, you can hype yourself up, but listen, it's not going to get you very far. David didn't do that. He didn't go in a corner and give himself a pep talk. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He looked to God, not to himself or to his circumstance. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I don't know about you, but during this lockdown season, I haven't always felt like an eagle, more like a turkey. But it's amazing what happens when you and I wait on the Lord. It says, They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 11, David sings these words. He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works he has done. Second thing we need to do, if we're going to strengthen or encourage ourselves in the Lord, we need to begin to worship. Although David hadn't written any psalms or worshiped God for a period of about 16 months, that's like the entire lockdown, in this moment of strengthening himself and encouraging himself, he began to worship and write songs again, and he began to spend time in God's presence. In Psalm 18, which was written after these events occurred, David says this in verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Can you see something's changed? David has begun to shift the focus. He's begun to spend time in the presence of God, and he's been reminded of who God is and what he can do. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn, which also means the strength of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. Listen, it's been really tough worshiping in this season. It's been hard. We're, we're not in the room together with that atmosphere. We're at home or we're in bed. Just look straight ahead. But you'll admit that it's been much harder to engage. But I got to tell you that when you and I stop lifting the name that is above every other name in our lives, we begin to forget just how powerful that name really is. We begin to forget how far God has brought us and the victories we've already seen. There's a song that we've been singing in Belito, and it says that God is greater than my past, than my biggest mistakes. Stronger than my fears, his love, it never fails. Greater than disease, stronger than the grave, high above it all, 
forever he will reign. Isn't it amazing that when we sing words like that, when we declare that he is our way maker, that he's our light in the darkness, even though we know it to be true, these aren't things that we don't know, but something shifts when we begin to sing it and declare it. And all of a sudden we find strength that we didn't have before. It's not strength in ourselves. It's strength in the living God. David had already killed a lion, he'd killed a bear, he'd killed a giant. Yet in this tough season when things were coming against him, you know what happened? He stopped worshiping. And church, that's the worst thing you and I can do when tough times come. David had to get to a place where he knew that if he didn't shift the focus and start spending time in God's presence, remembering who God is and what he can do, he was going to stay stuck in a city of ruins. So David magnified the Lord. He focused on him. He put him in his rightful place. He spent time in his presence. He renewed his strength. And then it was time to do something with that strength. The next step that David takes on the road to recovery, and it's a step that we need to take, is this. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Verse 8 says, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Notice that David didn't ask God, hey God, what are you going to do? He says, Lord, what should I do? See, David isn't just praying. He's asking God for direction. And I love that he takes responsibility and he knows that he has a part to play in his own recovery. You see, David is a warrior and warriors know what to do when they're attacked. They, they gather the troops and they go and they retaliate. But, but David, for the first time in a long time, realizes because he's encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord that he shouldn't just take action, that he should, he should seek the Lord's direction. He doesn't react. He responds. You know, in verse 7, it says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Please bring the ephod to me. Now, I mentioned earlier, the ephod was a garment. It was like an apron of sorts worn by the high priest. And it had a, a breastplate with a pouch on it. And inside that pouch, there were two stones, a black stone and a white stone. They were called the Urim and the Tumim, not words that you hear every day. But when there was a decision to be made, you would, you would ask the Lord and then you would pull out a stone and, and one stone would be a yes and another stone would be a no from God. So essentially, David is asking for a word from the Lord. And when you and I want to take steps towards our recovery, listen, we need a word from God, but he's already given us his word. We need the word of God. You know, when you and I look to his word, we'll find the direction that we need. I'm not sure who first said it, but I love the quote that says, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. I remember many years ago, I was traveling, suffering for Jesus in New York or London or Sydney, somewhere. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, man, my wife doesn't love me. She hasn't contacted me all day. Why, why am I not hearing from her? Doesn't she care? Until at some point during the day, probably in the, in the late afternoon, I realized that my phone was actually on airplane mode and my Wi-Fi was turned off. You know, I find we're often like that with God. Pastor Dev touched on this last week, but, but often we like this with God. God, why aren't you speaking to me? Why aren't you giving me a word when actually in our lives we've gone into airplane mode and we've turned off the connection? A.W. Tozer 
the great American pastor and author, said the Bible is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. We need to learn to inquire of the Lord if we want to stay on the road to recovery. Get in the Word daily. It'll give you a sense of direction and it'll build strength into your life. Number three, I hope you're being helped today. If we're going to stay on the road to recovery, the next step that we need to take is this. Purge the baggage and keep pursuing the promise. Purge the baggage and keep pursuing the promise. Verse 9 says, So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. You know, when you're on the road to recovery, you're going to have to get rid of some things that might hold you back from crossing that river. I think this pandemic has definitely taken things from us, but I think it's also revealed some things. It's revealed to us what we really need. And there's some things, some habits, some comforts, some people that are not going to be able to tag along if you and I are going to cross the brook Besaw into our recovery. You can't drag past hurts and, and drama with you over the river. You've got to offload it. You've got to purge it and let it go. Amen? Listen, if we're going to get back to where we were as a church before lockdown, if we're going to regain our momentum and our spiritual strength, not that we're in a bad position, but if we're going to, if we're going to get back to where we were, we're going to have to let go of some things. We're going to have to let go of our consumer mindset where, where we, we come on a Sunday to consume content. Oh, I'm not sure if I like that. I think I'll, I think I'll go to this pastor this week or I think I'll go to this church next week. We're going to have to get rid of our watch church in our PJs mindset. Otherwise, we'll all be coming to church in our pajamas. We have to stop quietly worshiping in our hearts and, and doing life in isolation and, and having an apathetic attitude towards the purposes of God. Amen. If we're going to cross that river into our recovery. If you want to recover your spiritual life, you've got to let go of the voices of negativity, the voices of complacency, the voices of defeat that tell you we'll never come back from this. We'll never recover from this pandemic. We'll never recover from all the, the rioting and the looting that's been taking place. You've got to say, no, 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 I'm going to leave those voices and those things here in lockdown because I'm about to cross the river and take steps into my own recovery. What's interesting is that Besaw means Good news. And I want to tell you that there is good news. There are good things on the other side of the season. There is gladness on the other side of devastation. David didn't let the weariness and the limitation of those around him stop him from crossing over and pursuing what God had promised him. Verse 10 says, but David pursued he and 400 men. Listen, you might have lost some stuff, but I want to encourage you. Take what you've got left. David lost 200 men, but he took those who he had left and he kept Going, go after what God has promised you and what he's placed in your heart. The New Century Version says, David and 400 men kept up the chase. You know, when you pursue something or you keep up the chase, how many of you know you've got to go in the direction of the thing you're pursuing? Some of us aren't headed in the direction of the things that we so desperately want to recover. Our finances, relationships, health, spiritual life, our passions. Listen, you can't pursue a strong marriage if you're not headed in that direction. Amen? 
David was trying to recover his family, so he went in the direction of his family. You've got to head in the right direction, in the direction of the things that you want to recover. You can't recover your spiritual life if you don't get in the Word and, 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 and get in God's presence and, and faithfully uh, attend church online and, and engage. Amen? Purge the baggage and keep pursuing the promise. What is it in your life right now that's holding you back from taking a step towards recovery? Begin to purge and, and say, you know, these are the things I don't need, but these are the things that I do need. I'm going to take them and I'm going to pursue all that God has for my life. And lastly, step number four, we must be prepared to fight. We must be prepared to fight. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 17, it says that when David caught up with the Amalekites, David fought from sunset until the evening of the next day. Listen, recovery comes with a fight. Ask anyone who's recovered from an illness. Ask anyone who's recovered from COVID-19. They'll tell you that for some time that they've, that they've been on a journey. They say that uh, many of the NBA players who, who got COVID last season are still trying to get back to full cardio fitness. Some people have what's called long COVID where, where they had COVID last year and, and, and they still have it now. They're, they're still living with the effects. No, you've got to fight for your health. Amen. Ask anyone who's had an addiction or some kind of, of, of severe injury or, 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 or has gone through bankruptcy or a marriage on the brink of divorce. You've got to be prepared to fight for it. It doesn't just happen. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. He, he left some of his men behind that were holding him back. He chased after what had been lost. And when he caught up to it, he fought hard to get it back. After all of that, it says this in verse 19, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them, David recovered all. Charles Spurgeon, the great man of God, often referred to as the prince of preachers, said this as we come to a close. Many who get into trouble seem to expect an angel to come and lift them up by the hair of their heads. But angels have other matters in hand. The Lord generally helps us by enabling us to help ourselves. And it is a way which does us double good. It is more for David's benefit that he should himself smite the Amalekites than that God should hurl hailstones out of heaven upon them and destroy them. David will have their spoil for the wage of battle. You see, you've got to fight and be rewarded for the forced march and the fight. Brothers and sisters, you will have to work and labor to free yourself from debt and difficulty. And so the Lord will hear your prayer. The rule is to trust in God to smite the Amalekites and then to march after them as if it all depended upon yourself. Listen, nothing gets recovered if you and I aren't prepared to fight for it. As we come to a close, I hope you've been helped today. I want to tell you about a musician called Donnie Tesso. Donnie Tesso's love for his 1975 Fender jazz bass was immense, to say the least. It was given to him as a gift by his father. In fact, at the age of 50, Donnie can still remember what it was like coming home from school. His dad said, hey, look under your bed. He ran to his room. He looked under his bed. He found the guitar and he remembers opening it and, 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 and running his hand along the, the lining of the case, the, the, the feel of it and the smell of the guitar and the case. 
and, and he says that almost immediately this thing of beauty became a part of him. Well, one day someone broke into his home in broad daylight and they stole the guitar and Donnie was, was absolutely devastated. He said it was a very dark time in his life. But luckily he had written down the serial number of the guitar and he would often go on to eBay or Craigslist and, and see if the stolen guitar would resurface. But after several years of trying, he began to tell himself that he would never see that Fender jazz bass ever again. Nevertheless, he kept pursuing it. And one day after about 10 years, while looking on Craigslist, he spotted the guitar and in his own words, he almost choked on his coffee. He contacted the authorities and within 24 hours, he had recovered his stolen guitar, a priceless gift given to him by his father. You know, church, our father has given us a priceless gift. His name is Jesus. Perhaps in the season with all the devastation and the hardship and the uncertainty, you've lost sight of him. The thief comes to try and get between us and Jesus, to, to try and steal away our focus and our passion for the purposes of God. He tries to get us to give up hope. But unlike a bass guitar, Jesus isn't hidden away. We don't have to wait for him to resurface somewhere. He's accessible and available to us right now. Perhaps your relationship with him has taken a knock over the last while. But as you begin to pursue him once more, you'll find the strength to recover all. You know, finding something that you've lost after a period of time can be quite exciting. If you've moved house or you do a bit of a cleanup, you can be overjoyed to find something that you thought was gone forever or something that you'd even forgotten about. And perhaps you're watching or listening today and over the season you've forgotten what you actually have in Jesus. I want to encourage you that you can discover and recover Him all over again by putting Him at the center of your life. God sent His only Son to die for you and I, a priceless gift. We can't earn it. We can't earn salvation, but we can receive it. So I want to take a moment to pray with you. If you know that that's you, you know that this is the moment that you need to respond to Jesus. You're far from Him right now. Maybe you, you're even angry or frustrated with God because you feel like He's fallen silent during these tough times. And you can sense that now is the time to discover or recover your relationship with Him all over again. Pray the simple prayer with me now. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge my need for you and I look to you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for paying the price for my freedom. Thank you for removing my sin and shame and for making me new. From now on, I commit to follow you and keep you in your rightful place at the center of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.